This is the remix. I didn't want to talk about that, no, but uh, he, he sort of sucked me into it on live TV. Yeah, it's true. I talked Brady into playing for the Raiders, and Gronk uh, was coming with him, and they were negotiating the deal, and they were really close to getting it done, and then Gruden pulled the deal, and Brady was not happy about it, neither was I, and, and I thought that I would never tell that story publicly. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. We have jobs to do. Our staff works well together. Again, there are a lot of people that are involved in all three phases of the game. Uh, ultimately, I'm responsible for all of it. If you want to ask who's in charge, then it would be me. So I have the final say in every area. That's the way it's been, and I don't really see that changing. I know this, the starters will play. I don't see golf playing, but I do see the starters playing. We'll see where it goes. You know, they need to be prepared for a half. I know their guys are playing about a half. I talked to Coach Tomlin, so this will be really good for us. This will be really good. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Would Dan Campbell win coach of the year if he beat somebody's ass even if they only had one ass cheek? What about the three toes? Well, I mean, this you matters. know, you're not you're not doing anything to the feet there. It's all about beating their ass. So there's one I, there's less ass to beat if there's only one ass cheek. I, I mean, look, if we're talking about uh, what about what a coach does in relationship to feet, then why did Rex Ryan never win coach of the year? <laughs> all right. You're, the Raiders, I, hold on. You guys are misunderstanding the context in which the great Dan Campbell was talking. He was saying if he only had one ass cheek and three toes, he would still kick your ass. Oh, yeah, oh, really? Is that what he's saying? Yes. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Hollywood Brown was the uh, the leading receiver for, for those Ravens. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. So at least we know he can uh, run and drive fast. Um, so the Raiders are having a joint practice this morning with the Patriots. We're going to talk to Ed Graney here in a few minutes from the Raiders facility. According to Q from Raider Nation Radio, you can hear him on Unnecessary Roughness every afternoon over on Raider Nation Radio. He says he does not see Darren Waller out there at the joint practice. Um, I, I don't know if we'll actually get a real update from anybody with the team on that. But So I know it's all speculation here. Darren, uh, Darren Waller misses basically two weeks, comes back for one day. The ESPN reported it was a hamstring injury. But then he is gone the last day of practice last week, doesn't play in the preseason game, and is gone again today on Tuesday. Should we be speculating there's something more to this? We've talked a lot about if it was a holdout, he would say something publicly, but this it just seems really weird at this point. I don't know how weird it is if we're talking about a guy who had a soft tissue injury, right? Uh, do you necessarily want Darren Waller out there in joint practices going against players who are trying to fight for jobs. I don't know that that's the situation I want Darren Waller in right now if he's dealing with a lingering type injury. So you so you think it's completely logical, completely plausible, this is just simply some sort of injury management where they don't want Waller basically out there pushing himself and stuff that doesn't matter. What's the other explanation? Are we going to go back to the contract stuff again? Like, I really? Mean, I, don't I, do I, that to me. <laughs> I, the longer it goes on without really anything being said, the more that the contract, I think, makes sense. And, and listen, we talked about the idea of 
it needing to be sort of a public message and him telling the media. But I do think there could be some reasoning to a holdout that's not fat public, to a holdout where he isn't out here telling everybody. I'm I'm sure there could be a reason behind that. So I, I don't know. It just seems weird to me that you would come back for one practice and then immediately be out for the next two practices, which spans the course of like five days. I don't know. That just doesn't seem like something that would make a whole lot of sense if you're managing the injury. I guess unless he hurt it again or it wasn't as ready to go as he thought it was, I just feel like there could be something. And listen, it might be as simple as Darren Waller saying, hey, I don't feel right because Darren Waller doesn't have any guaranteed money and he doesn't want to you know, get hurt in the preseason. Maybe it's just from his side saying, ah, I don't feel right. I don't think this is the right time for me to be out there. And that's as simple as it is. But like, we just don't have answers. And he's been gone all but one day for now three weeks we're getting to. No, that that you just said at the end makes way more sense than what apparently is you arguing against yourself. And the whole idea yeah, of there could be there could be an argument for why Darren Waller would hold in and not say anything. Please call up John Smoltz and the two of you explain this to me. <laughs> he doesn't want the fans to turn on him. He doesn't care about the fans when it comes to getting money. Are you kidding me? No, this is not a contract thing for Darren Waller. You and I had settled this decisively no, it back. and then he came ago. back and then he's gone again if, if he because that's how soft tissue injuries work and especially if i'm having to throw my guy out there against bill freaking belichick who might be the guy that we're fighting for the seventh seed against now i'm probably not going to put darren waller on the field if he has any sort of lingering ish injury situation listen if we get on here tomorrow and at nine o'clock darren waller is not at practice again i'm telling you the same thing it's a contract issue you tell me whatever you want. I'm just going to have Jared pull all the sound of you talking about how ridiculous it would be for this to be a contract situation gotta, from the last two sit, weeks. He's got to sit courtside at the Aces game. He doesn't want people yelling at him to, you know, stop holding in and get out there and play. If it's an injury, yeah, you can't really yell at a guy for being hurt. Yeah, don't you hate it when fans are yelling at you about holding in? Find yeah. five fans on the street who know what holding in even means. It's Darren Waller. They, well, exactly. Oh. That's the problem. They'll be even more mad at they it. They might have a different definition. I didn't say holding or holding it. I said holding in. All right. Here's a fun story. Kenyon Drake. The Raiders ended up releasing Kenyon Drake, uh, which apparently means, like we talked about last week, the Raiders did not have too many good running backs, and they did not have this great trade ship available in Kenyon Drake because... They're planning to release Kenyon Drake. They have not officially released him, so I guess they're looking for a trade partner. Uh, but he's owed $2.5 million for this season. That would be one of the, I think, 25 highest paid running backs in the NFL. Very unlikely the team sends an asset away to acquire Kenyon Drake and then is going to pay him. You can find Kenyon Drake on the street somewhere, probably already in your training camp, to get the production for much less but i think the curious part is something that you've talked about quite a bit their dead cap hit number and you look at next season Kenyon drake is going to count against this year's salary cap 3.6 million dollars and because the raiders restructured his deal he will count 4.4 million dollars against the salary cap next season that is whether they play him keep him trade him cut him whatever he will count 4.4 million dollars against their cap next season so the raiders end up paying him 11 million total for one season in which he was a backup running back. But it is interesting looking at how the Raiders have sort of structured deals, restructured deals, and where their dead cap is going to be for next season. 
I understand the idea of letting King and Drake go. I, I would have understood it a lot more if they'd let him go at the same time that they let go Kwiatkowski or Corey Littleton or all the other guys where they were bad deals from the Gruden Mayock era that they were getting rid of. And you and I said more than once at the time that paying Kenyon Drake what the Raiders decided to pay Kenyon Drake was insane. And now it sets you up for this situation again where you add that $4 million to next year's dead cap it when this team is going to be in salary cap hell. So they better go ahead and win something this year. Now, Kenyon Drake can still play. He missed the last four uh, games the broken ankle but Kenyon Drake was fifth in the NFL in yards per route run among running backs uh, last season and Brandon Bolden of course who's here is one of the only ones who was ahead of him so I understand McDaniels going with a guy that he knows better in Brandon Bolden who's not going to uh, you know be the same cap situation guy that Kenyon Drake is I just don't really understand for the Raiders how if Josh Jacobs is a guy where you didn't pick up the fifth year option, who is going to be the one to be the feature guy here? Or is there just not going to be a feature guy? Yeah, it's it's curious to look. I, I would guess this year Josh Jacobs is the feature guy or at least starts that way. Uh, obviously, there's injuries to this position uh, widespread throughout the league. So Josh Jacobs, you know, going through a season fully healthy seems you know, unlikely. I don't even think he's done it really in his career. He's played through injuries, but hasn't really actually been fully healthy. I would guess Josh Jacobs is somewhat of a feature running back to start, but I, I'm expecting, I don't know what week in the season, but by the time we get to the end of the season, we're talking about Zamir White having taken over the backfield or at least trending that way to where we're in the final five games of the season and it's either more evenly split or it's just Zamir White getting simply more carries or something like that. That would be my expectation because as the Raiders have set this up with contracts and who didn't get the fifth-year extension now releasing Kenyon Drake, it very much does look like the future of this team would be Zamir White is sort of the main first or second down between the tackles type running backs and your Brandon Bolden, your Amir Abdullah, or somebody else from outside the organization this year, next year, into the future is sort of your third down back for the next couple of years. Well... In the end, it just goes to show one more time how insanely bad Gruden was at managing a roster. Yeah, if you if you go... So the biggest mess here, or the biggest fault for the mess, goes to John Gruden and Mike Mayock for the contract to give Kenyon Drake $11 million, make him one of the higher-paid running backs in the league, higher-paid uh, free agent contracts that a running back signed. But it is an interesting point you made about when they released Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton why Kenyon Drake wasn't then as well because what they did instead they restructured his deal they added the void year so there's you know the, all the cap hit doesn't come this season the cap hit comes next season some of it this year some of it next year and that's the interesting part because if they I, I believe if they would have just gotten rid of Kenyon Drake back in March or whatever that yes his cap hit this year would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of seven million dollars but he would have been completely off the books next year that it would not affected them in 2023 whereas the way they did it instead it affects him in 2022 and he's not on the roster and it'll affect him in 2023 and he's not on the roster then either yeah and if you hear us talking about Kenyon Drake's contract and think cool guys it's August 23rd what else do you have to talk about realize that this is all tied into Darren Waller right uh, if we really want to talk about Darren Waller's contract situation how much he's going to get paid going forward you have to look at the fact that the Raiders have pushed a lot of dead cap 
into next year and beyond, and they have to pay the piper on that at some point where when they have to go build a roster for 2023, they're going to be starting with less cap money than only one other team in the league. All right, I do have one other running back question for you because Ed didn't, he didn't uh, agree with my take here. Uh, Josh Jacobs played in the first preseason game of the year, got five carries, two catches, right? And afterwards, Josh McDaniels, when asked about it, uh, was basically said, hey, running backs need to get hit. It's the preseason. They don't get it in practice. They need to get hit. He then did not play in either of the next two preseason games. And my thought was, well, he's probably not going to play in the last one either. So did he really need to get hit seven times on August 4th to be ready for a football game on September 11th? And my take to Ed that he didn't like was that Josh McDaniels was probably going to play Josh Jacobs more but he didn't want to have to keep answering questions about it. And the backlash he got for it is the reason Josh Jacobs didn't play in any more preseason games after the first one. I don't know if it's the reason necessarily, but I'm with you in general on the idea of, I don't think it matters that much to Josh McDaniels or to Josh Jacobs. Like I do think that Josh McDaniels in the end is from the Belichickian mold of, if I'm not going to be in a position to create a story, then I'm not going to create a story. All right, coming up next, Ed Graney joins us live from Raiders Joint Practice with the Patriots. Joining us live from the Raiders Practice Facility in Henderson is Ed Graney. Hello, Ed. How is it this morning? It's hot. It's hot and it's humid. <laughs> you don't. You guys have any shade today? Uh, we have a yeah. We have a like a, a one tent with a big media sign on it and. We have not. The Patriots are on the far field so far, and the Raiders have done their stretching and uh, little drills part of it. So we haven't seen them. Well, for the first time right now, live reporting here from Raiders uh, facility at the uh, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the Patriots are appearing to walk on the side of the field of the Raiders. So oh. we might actually have some action here while we're talking on the phone. Oh, I, I hope we get a fight live on air. Um, I can you confirm? Tweets I've seen uh, that Darren Waller is not at practice again today. Uh, I believe he's not. Oh. I believe he's not. Is that what the, is that what people are tweeting? That is what people are tweeting. Our uh, Q from Raider Nation Radio tweeted that earlier. Well, then Q's on top of things. Believe me, he was up with the photographers. I was uh, discussing things with the PR people on some <laughs> stories. So if Q tweeted it, then it's right. Believe me. <laughs> Now they're doing, uh, yeah, Derek Carson passes. The Patriots are on defense. Uh, this is this is big stuff right here. This is big stuff. And don't get yourself in trouble. Don't get yourself in trouble. We know that this is basically you you live broadcasting a Raiders practice. You're going to get yourself kicked out. Don't do it. <laughs> That's true. Be very, That's true. Be very, I can't very do that. careful. No more. No more. No more. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, I did put my foot on the grass and they like kicked me off. So can't do that again. Have no. to be on the concrete. Question for you, Ed. So you can't put your foot on that grass, but clearly by what we've seen between UNLV and the Raiders this weekend, if you wanted to put your foot on the grass at Allegiant Stadium, it'd be no problem at all. For the UNLV game? Uh, for either game. They don't care well, about that grass, that, right? Yeah, They're going to let UNLV kind of tear up the grass. I don't, know, I don't know what grass I'd be putting my foot on. Uh, Tyler would know, uh, the soccer guy, because the soccer field was torn up, and <laughs> Tyler didn't like that because it was only two games. Uh, but, yeah, I... I the turf for UNLV will be interesting. The That'll be Saturday, so we'll have to see what they roll in for Friday night. I was told it's going to be okay for the first game there, which is Arizona in the second week. So we might be dealing with soccer uh, turf again this week at Allegiant. I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, okay. So based on your answer, I'm guessing you didn't see this morning that 
UNLV's game on Saturday. They're going to play on the Raiders' grass. Oh, they are? Yes. Okay. All right. So makes sense, though, because rolling in and rolling out a, from a time, what's the Raiders' game, 5.15, lose, leave it like 8.30 that it ends. That kind of makes sense just to leave it like that. So Except maybe the, the grass maybe the grass is fixed by now. Maybe the grass is okay by now. Oh, I'm guessing it's not. I'm guessing this grass is going to be horrible. <laughs> well, it won't stop the mighty rebels against Idaho State. I'll tell you that, my friend. <laughs> hot take. Hot take. Hot. Are you giving predictions already that they're going to win a game? He's not allowed to give predictions. That's right. That's oh, right. They're just not um, going to be stopped. Yeah, we haven't given our we haven't given our over and unders on the UNLV season there, but it's well, maybe I did. Maybe Tyler, I might have done it to you like a week ago or two weeks ago, and it was a uh, it was a real hot take. I'm positive about the Rebels. I'm oh, Mr. Positive on the show. You're not so much. We got we got four more days. You'll, Thursday, Friday, we got plenty of time to give UNLV predictions. You don't have to give Here. any right now. You can tell us how okay. many games they're going to win. It'll be perfectly fine. We perfectly can go game fine. to game. We can go game to game and see what we think. Yeah, and just like you can tell us the Bengals are the best in the AFC and then change your mind every week, you can change your mind every week on UNLV. <laughs> You'll never let me live that down. Perfectly well, fine. Well, Ed, here's something that we can never let Tyler live down. Oh, boy. He has decided that because John Smoltz also likes the Ghost Runner rule, that he might have to change his opinion. About John Smoltz? No, about the Ghost Runner rule. He does not want oh. to agree with John right. Smoltz. So don't don't let Tyler get away with this whole thing about uh, you know changing your opinion, that being a problem, when he's out here trying to fit his opinions into John Smoltz's world. I don't... That would be tough for me to think he'd change his opinion on that. I think he was pretty locked into that. I, I was think he's pretty but, locked into that. But John Smoltz has terrible opinions, like he wants to ban the shift and he thinks twelve year olds are getting too many Tommy John surgeries that I don't <laughs> think I can agree with him. I love I love it. Uh we had it in the uh, great great uh sport of softball. I love putting the person on there, get the game over. Unlike Tyler though, and Adam I'm gonna say you might be on Tyler's side here. I'm a bunting guy. Maybe oh, that's boy. the softball in me. Move the runner. Move the runner, baby. <laughs> yeah, the runner. yeah. Outs, outs definitely are not value more valuable than <laughs> single bases. But okay. Uh, question for you: Do you think Ed that? Do you think this entire joint practice setup is just a scheme for Bill Belichick to get a better look at how Deuce Gruden gets the Raiders ready for a season? McDaniel's. Oh. Deuce. No, come Bill on. Belichick. The whole Deuce joint practice Gruden. thing. No, I'm do you think sorry, Bill Belichick? Do you think Bill Belichick, the new Spygate, is Bill Belichick spying on Deuce Gruden's strength and training I mean, methods? He might be spying on Deuce. I would not put. I would not put anything past him. I will say this, and maybe it's because he uh, likes the heat or whatever, and you know, maybe he's like liking Vegas and the blue skies. He was very, very good this morning in his media availability. Like there were like no one answers. He like we asked him a lot of stuff. There's a couple um, Vegas kids. Um, on the on the Patriots, uh, we asked him about the Vegas and the facilities and the stadium and all of that, uh, which I think he's seen. And even with his own, even with his own media, who talked to him about you know specifics to their team, um, very very good. We all walked away like Cassie Soda and I were walking away, and Cassie had asked him a question. She's like, "Wow, um, that uh, that was better than I thought as well." So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's using a spy gate. It's, it's Belichick, so maybe, but. He was much better this morning than I think any of us thought he would be. I enjoy your theory there that it could be the blue sky, that Bill Belichick is just miserable yes. with the media because of the weather that he is always in. <laughs> that he has to put up with in, in the in the Northeast. 
yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's blue sky out here. Um, I don't know. If, well, he's he's used to humidity, so this is probably this isn't dealing with them. Uh, this probably isn't worrying them at all. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it's underway. They're both on the same sides of the field, and uh, they are doing things that I cannot report on. All right. Can, can you answer this simple question? Have they actually, like, tackled each other yet? No, no, Okay. No. And um, Tyler is out here saying that Darren Waller missing practice is now about his contract. He said for two weeks it was just about something else. It wouldn't make any sense. Now Tyler is saying Darren Waller is desperate for a new contract and not uh, out of practice today. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think Tyler makes a good point in that it's, you know, he was out for one day and then he went back in. Um, I, I look at, I guess I should say, I guess I'd say, I don't think it's an unfair statement to say that. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to consider that. I, I think it's very plausible that he's also, you know, nursing an injury and doesn't want to push in and stuff like that. But I don't think at this point anyone should say, well, that's a crazy statement or how could that be? And, you know, he wouldn't be doing that. But, you know, I, again, I think it's very plausible he's hurt or they're having him be very, very careful until the season starts. So I don't know which one it is, but I think both, both opinions are warranted. See, Adam, you thought you could walk in here and get Ed Graney on your side. You cannot do that. That is not going to happen on this show. I mean, I, well, I just, you know, it's been, he comes out one day and he looked good. That's the other thing. I mean, he didn't come out one day and was limited. So, you know, for one day there and then one day back in and now, you know, not, not back yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I'm going to stay on the side that he's hurt. Um, but like I said, the other way or the other opinion, I don't think you say, well, that's just crazy to say because, it's just strange that he would have come back for one day and then not again. All right, Jared, do it. Okay, Ed, how genius is it to use a hot dog as a straw in a beer? Are you out late at night again? <laughs> is, this, is, this, is, this, is this what we're getting now? Did I, did, did, you haven't checked your Twitter, have you? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> okay, if, so you didn't see it. So a, a Yankees fan at the Yankees game last night had a hot dog and he took a straw and pushed it through the hot dog as Adam Candy so uh, lovely described it as a hot dog catheter. And then he used his new hot dog straw to drink his beer. Well, I mean, when you're losing as much as they are, you got to find ways to, uh, you got to find ways to enjoy yourself, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. They were so good for so long and now, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, they won it's not last going night. It's not going well. For they, they won last night? Yeah, they beat the Mets. All right. Oh, did they beat it? Did they beat them in the doubleheader, or was that the day before? No, there was uh, no doubleheader. Listen, you can go back into your go back into your Dodgers bubble. It's fine. Go ahead. Your arrogance is noted, and I hope that <laughs> no, it, it does not reflect poorly on you at the end of the season. We got it. You don't want to me, talk about the hot dog, Catherine. You just want to talk about the Dodgers. Even the seventeen and a half game lead, which I believe it is, you can ask Tyler. I am all against it. I don't think they have the pitching. I don't think anything's going to happen with them at the end. So I think the Mets are going to be better. I think the Braves might be better. Um, so I am not in any way uh, in a bubble with arrogance, believe me. They don't have, the, don't have the starting pitching, my friend. They don't have the starting pitching to get through a series. All right, Ed, get out of here. Stop telling us the best team in baseball is not good enough. Uh, enjoy your hot, humid practice between the Raiders all right. and the Patriots. Thanks, you guys. Talk to you soon. So there is Ed Graney, the forever pessimistic Dodger fan, no matter how good they actually are. Coming up next, we talk to Ryan Wallace.
This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan, it's good to hear from you. We haven't talked to you in a little while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's the offseason. Um, we, before we get into any hockey, uh, we're just going to start with this because I know Jared's going to bring it up eventually. Uh, let me ask you first. Did you see the video of a Yankees fan using a hot dog as a straw in a beer last night? I did, unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Um, so how do you feel about using a hot dog and a straw? Because as we have spent way too much time talking about this, we have had the detail pointed out to us that some people like to cook, you know, bratwurst in beer. And so maybe it's not as weird as everybody's making it out to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that I can understand that logic. Like, I can follow it as, as far down a rabbit hole as I guess anybody should when it comes to using a hot dog as a straw for a beer. Uh, but who drinks a beer with a straw? Like, that's my counter argument. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if you want a hot dog and you want beer in your mouth at the same time, take a bite of your hot dog, take a drink of your beer, but don't use a straw to drink a beer. That's just weird. The sad part is we've talked to like 17 people about this now, and no one has brought up that, which is maybe right. the most obvious it's point. Yeah, point. That's, yeah, yeah, he just won me over. <laughs> it's a great point. Yeah, there's, there's, just, there's no reason to drink a beer through a straw at all. Uh, and like even even the novelty of, of, a, of a hot dog straw, like that, that's, that's only going to get you so far. Um, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. All right. Here's a hockey question for you, because we have not talked to you since uh, the Robin Leonard injury was announced, and he's going to be yeah. likely done for the season. Logan Thompson maybe is the starting goalie here. I think to me that the big question is, is what do you think this front office does? Do you think that they uh, spend some money on a forward or a defenseman and ride with Logan Thompson? Do you think they spend some money on a goalie and sort of not rely on a guy who has less than 20 career starts? Or... Do they kind of do nothing and wait until they're in season closer to the trade deadline to see what this team might actually need uh, to be competitive in the season? Yeah, I mean, I would err on the side of let's not replace that $5 million with another goaltender. Um, and, you know, for Robin Leonard, it's a tough break. It sucks for sure. And I don't think that the Golden Knights are better right now. Um than, than they were, you know, prior to the announcement of Robin Leonard's injury. Like, you're talking about a really good goaltender, and I know that it's much maligned here in Vegas, but that's kind of a ridiculous narrative when you look at how poorly the Golden Knights have defended over the last two or three seasons. But all that being said, um, I wouldn't do anything at the goaltender position right now. I would give Logan Thompson the keys, understanding that Bruce Cassidy's system is really the big difference between what the Golden Knights were last year and what they might be this year. He talked about it being goaltender friendly. Jeremy Swayman came kind of out of nowhere and had phenomenal numbers over the last two seasons for the Boston Bruins under Bruce Cassidy. We're talking about a young goaltender who didn't have a lot of NHL experience prior to that. So if the system works and the Golden Knights play it the way that it's supposed to be played, then Logan Thompson's not going to have to do a whole lot. He'll have to do some things for sure, but the onus isn't going to be on Logan Thompson to go out and steal games like he had to do toward the end of last year for the Golden Knights to win. The onus will be on him to just not make any mistakes, and if that's something he's able to do, then I think the Golden Knights will be able to keep themselves where they want to be within the division, and 
frankly, they're a couple forwards short. Like, they need some wingers that can put the puck in the back of the net with Max Pacioretty no longer on the team. Um, you're going to need some guys that can fill the net. And right now, if I'm the Golden Knights looking at that objectively, I'm looking at bringing in another winger or two, if possible, as opposed to going out and looking for a goalie. Ryan, by most measures, the Pacific Division shouldn't be the most challenging division in the NHL. I mean, Calgary should be weaker after the defections they've had. Uh, Edmonton, we don't know. LA, we don't know. Uh, you know, we've seen both of those teams go up and down. It would seem the Golden Knights are in a position where they have the ability to run Logan Thompson out there for 30 or 40 games and fix this at the deadline if it's really a problem. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I don't know that the Golden Knights should overreact to this situation. I think they should go into training camp with Logan Thompson. If Loren Brossois is not available, then you've got Michael Hutchinson as, as the backup for Logan Thompson. But it's going to be trial by fire for Logan and the Golden Knights and, and their revamped ability to play solid, sound, defensive hockey. Now, um, when you look at the Pacific Division, Kind of, you mentioned the Calgary Flames. They're going to be incredibly intriguing to me because when you lose Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, two 100-point players, you start to, to wonder, there's no possible way that Calgary isn't going to take a step back. But then when you make a trade for Jonathan Huberdeau, a 100-point player, when you make a trade that also brings in uh, Mackenzie Weger on the back end, which was an area where I think Calgary had to improve. They had to get better. And then you signed Nazem Kadri, who just won a Stanley Cup and was flirting with 100 points last year. I don't know that Calgary is going to take a massive step back. The Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, you never really count them out. I think the Kings got better. But those are really the three teams outside of Vegas that I think you're going to have to worry about in the Pacific Division. And if Logan Thompson is able to steady the ship and the Golden Knights are able to find more scoring, I think that they'll be in the hunt for a playoff spot for sure. So let me ask you this. What do you think the path is like? What what are the key things that have to go right this year if the Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup or at least be contenders, you know, win the Pacific or at least be at the top of the West, something like that? Like, what are the key things that have to go right for this team to be that good? Oh, that's a really fun question, Tyler. Um, Let's just let's just start with making the playoffs. Right, because we're, we're coming off a year for the Golden Knights where they did not make the playoffs last year. First time in franchise history. What needs to happen? One, the Golden Knights have to cut back significantly and be in the top five when it comes to defensive measures. That means goals against has to be top five. It means the Golden Knights have to be in the top five of, of not giving up high-danger scoring chances. Every defensive metric you can think about in the league, the Golden Knights have to be in and around the top five this coming season. Then you need healthy full seasons out of Mark Stone and Riley Smith. Like, those are two guys that cannot miss significant time for this team. Beyond that, William Carlson has to be better. And I'm not talking about defensively. I'm talking about putting the puck in the back of the net. William Carlson's not a 43-goal scorer. We all know this. We all understand it. But he's got to be somewhere in the 20-25 to goal range in order for the Golden Knights to have enough firepower to, to win games. And Jack Eichel has to be the best player on this team. Like, bar none, hands down, Jack Eichel has to be so far and away better than everybody else, and it has to be reflected not just in the way that he plays the game, but his statistics at the end of the year. That's what has to happen for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. And let's go back to the health point for a second here, Ryan, because Mm -hmm. 
you look at six out of the seven players who are the top salaries on the Golden Knights are the youngest of them is William Carlson at 29. The oldest of them is Alec Martinez at 35. And Jack Eichel, of course, is the outlier there who has had major back surgery. So I guess I am I worried too much about health coming off last season? Like, is last season an outlier sort of thing? Or do you think as the Golden Knights become an older star-laden team that this is something that you really have to worry about? I, I don't know that I'm concerned about Jack Eichel's health. I mean, I think that, you know, coming off of his surgery and the fact that he was able to play and be pretty effective, I know not the numbers that everybody wanted to see out of Jack Eichel coming back, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that hadn't played hockey in over a year. Um, I, I don't worry about Jack Eichel so much. I think there's certainly concern for Mark Stone, you know, coming off of an offseason where he's had back surgery, um, how kind of strange the circumstances were surrounding his injury last year and and really how he's kind of been been sidelined for about I'd make the argument two seasons right like he was not himself um, in in that series against the Montreal Canadiens so um, I don't think that that you're you're too concerned about health I mean you're coming off of the year with the Golden Knights just we're never healthy and and anytime you go through an extended period of time you go through 82 games where you just cannot to field a roster that you expected to have, wanted to have on the ice, I think it's a natural concern to think that that might bleed over into the next season, especially with Robin Leonard not being available, especially with the question marks surrounding Lorraine Brissois and whether or not he'll be available. So, no, I think that the, the worries and the concerns about health are going to be there, and they should be there until maybe we're at game 82 and Mark Stone's played 82 games and all of a sudden the Golden Knights seem like they got through a season healthy. All right, before we let you go, do you have any more new animals at your place? Ooh, uh, no, not yet. The the goats may be, um, may be uh, pregnant at the moment, and they Ooh. may be um, giving us some babies in November, but that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. No more new animals yet. Do you have a small trampoline for the goats to jump on? No, no, I don't. Okay. My mother has one. When she has baby goats, they jump on the trampoline. (laughs) It's kind of cute, but okay. Get one. He's Ryan Wallace running his own farm. You can hear him at some point in the future on the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. So, Ryan Wallace. um, Yeah, if if you're going to have baby goats, that's my one piece of advice. Get a little trampoline for him. It'll be great. Well, Um, beyond that, you need to set up yoga. Because there are many, many 20, 30, 40 something women who will pay you a lot to do <laughs> yoga with goats right now. All right, we got tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. Uh, two tickets for August 31st. He's going to be at Resorts World Theater. And we got tickets for his show on the 31st. 702 364 1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Luke Bryan, the caller number 12 right now at 702 702- 364-1100. You want a pair of tickets to go see Luke Bryan at Resorts World on August 31st. Jared, are you playing Dodge or Lose highlights when Ed is not even here? I mean, it's a force of habit. Okay. All right. Good job, I guess. Um, I feel like Adam Candy would uh, be interested in this. Uh, on Sunday, Adam, my fiance and I drove to Utah to adopt a dog. Did you go to Best Friends? 
Uh, no, it was so uh, my girlfriend loves bulldogs and we found a bulldog specific rescue in Utah and they met us kind of halfway between Salt Lake. So no, it was not best friends, but uh, just a bulldog rescue. T- tell me more. Who's who's our friend? Tell, tell me more uh, about the rescue. What, 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 what happened here? I need all the details. So his name is Tyson. He is a nine year old bulldog. Apparently... This rescue had had him since January, and nobody had adopted him. I'm I'm guessing because he's nine. Because I'll be completely honest, he is like spectacular for an adopted dog. Like he was the best dog I've been around in the car. He basically slept or looked out the window the entire time. And outside of like the first time we got back for a couple hours, he seemed a little like you know on edge, anxious, like where the hell am I type thing. He has been great for the last, whatever, 48 hours since we've had him. Uh, phenomenal. Like, great dog. Everything's been great. The only problem is our 14-year-old Shih Tzu that we had, she doesn't seem too thrilled to have a to have a brother now in the house. Uh, and that's understandable. If you're a 14-year-old dog, you're basically like, <laughs> just tell me where to sleep and where to eat and let's leave the rest alone. But you're absolutely right. I would guess without knowing Tyson's history that Tyson didn't get adopted because Tyson is nine and people don't want to adopt an adult dog and what they don't understand is that they come completely ready-made like yeah yeah, you don't get as many years with them but all of the bs you have to deal with with training a dog is gone because they've reached the age where yeah they still want to go for walks but they don't need to be walked all day they're house trained like they just want to chill yeah actually that's the one thing that was weird when we took like took him on a walk the first couple of times already he is like the most stubborn slash worst dog walk I've ever had because he will like want to walk into the middle of the street and then when you try to be like no come on let's come back on the sidewalk he'll just stop in the middle of the street and look at you like what this is where I am and then he won't walk anywhere he'll be like I'm not even walking across the street now I'm just standing here in the middle of the street well and I'm assuming this is an American bulldog uh English bulldog um, English, I mean okay. he's, he's a mix of some sort it's Close- not Purebred, yeah. Close enough. So basically what you've done is attached like a 60-pound dead weight to a leash, <laughs> and it's just going to be in the street. And the dog knows what it weighs and knows that it's essentially it was made as a Civil War-era cannonball. And, like, he just is challenging you. Yeah, he is a little bit smaller. He's got to be a mix of some sort because he's not the traditional, like, 50-plus-pound bulldog uh so he's a little bit smaller but yes that is essentially what it is it reminds me of like i've seen a lot of videos of huskies and my fiance's parents have a husky german shepherd mix or something that like will just lay down and not go anywhere and know that you can't do anything about it because they're big and you have to you know pick them up or drag them along the ground do you think that if the raiders consider cutting alex leatherwood in training camp he might try the same thing just lay down in the middle of the field and be like i'm 360 pounds make me leave is that what he's been doing on in the preseason games maybe that's a practice right maybe he's practicing for getting cut the so the interesting part about alex leatherwood and actually maybe we should have this discussion a little bit more given what the raiders have done with their cap space because he's on his rookie contract and because this is only year two it's presumably way too much dead cap hit to cut him right presumably he's on the roster regardless because of that but like i do wonder and i have to look up the exact numbers i do wonder if they'd be willing to cut him if they actually don't think he's as good as thayer munford jermaine eleanor 
Brandon Parker, whoever the hell else is healthy that they try at right tackle. Because I saw Vic Tafer tweet this morning. His tweet, I think, said Jermaine Elmore getting comfortable at right tackle, which kind of implies he might be the starter at this point. Yeah, and uh, the answer to your question is uh, he would be, if you were to cut him today, $11.7 million of dead cap because of the fact that he's just a second-year player at this point, and there's still a lot more to come uh, on his contract, and it doesn't get a lot better. In fact, uh, you would probably have to wait till 2024 for it not to massively affect your cap. Right. It's. It, it, I don't know the answer to this with first-round picks on their rookie contracts. If you trade them, do they carry a significant dead cap hit, or if you trade them, is everything gone? I am currently looking that up for you okay. right now. Uh, not that not that anybody would you know want. Alex no one, no, no one's sticking on Alex Leatherwood <laughs> uh, at this point. But uh, if you were to trade him right now, the cap hit would basically slice in half. Okay, because that's the the I guess potential interesting part. If he was ever good enough to be traded, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And if he was, they would probably just keep him, and he would be the second best lineman on the team at that point. So. Uh, yeah, Alex Leatherwood going, going to be on this roster for two years, even if he doesn't play again. Well, back to, and I know we only have a little time here, but back to the Isaiah Wynn situation. That's why if you're the Raiders, look, there's no amount of dead cap or uh, draft pick or, or anything that should affect you when it goes to getting a right tackle for this year. Because the whole right side of that line is in massive trouble. And right now, Andre James, who was not great last year, is your second best offensive lineman. <laughs> he was. He had like a good three-game run to end the season, and uh, that makes you the second best. Yeah, right now, what are we looking at? Lester Cotton and Jermaine Elamanor as the right guard and right tackle? That sounds fun. Yeah, we start to see the uh, Lester Cotton feel-good story fall apart in the last preseason game, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how long we talk about him figuring it out if that continues. We started the show asking if Derek Carr will survive. We talked a lot about running backs. Maybe I should have asked, is Josh Jacobs going to survive this season? Because he struggled under a good offensive line to stay healthy.